girls walked home only in groups of four and five. No one went anywhere alone. St. Catharines isn't a big place. It's not a rough town. The house that Kristen grew up in was middle class and ordinary. They found her body later in the spring, curled and naked and left in a ditch. News of Bernardo's arrest knocked the entire country to the ground. Back when I was in high school, the city had been haunted by a long, unsolved series of violent rapes. The media had given this attacker a nickname, and the name was something I'd grown up with. The Scarborough Rapist, never caught, was front section news for years. Now we learned that this too had been Paul Bernardo. The murders were only one part of a long, slow story that had taken years to roll in. He'd raped more girls than you could easily count. In high school, the Scarborough Rapist was a thing we talked about, myself and my friends, teenage girls a presence larger than a real person, an eye that saw when you were alone and unguarded. Without knowing his name or what horror was to come, Paul Bernardo was the thing we thought about when we got on and off the bus in the evenings, or on our way home from dance class, or whenever a man walked behind us too long or too close. I'd just spent my weekend watching his house from inside the locked doors of a blue hatchback, the part of the job my mother hates on my behalf. I wonder sometimes how much the thinking about it helps. I came home that night and stood in my apartment making dinner and listening for odd sounds, a creak on the stairs or hallway floorboards. You're alone on a dark street and the impulse is to keep checking. Is anyone following me? How about now? Your anxiety spikes but then tapers off. The constant checking becomes your way of controlling the danger. If I keep looking behind me into the dark, then there will never be anyone there. There can't be, because that's something that only happens in movies. I figure it's the one time you forget. Your mind is busy with something else, and for just a moment you relax. You're distracted by the smell of lilacs in someone's garden, or the look of the moon, or some other daytime anxiety. That's when he comes. And it's your fault for not playing by the rules. There's another way to look at this. Maybe it's your own fear that calls him to you. You've imagined him so easily and so often, stalking you in the dark or hiding in your closet or in the backseat of a car in the parking garage. It's like you want him. This fear sounds out into the night and somewhere, evil pricks its ears. You're ready for him. You've spent a lifetime practicing. At home in my kitchen, my fingers were slowly thawing out. There was a dull pain down through my teeth, and I noticed how hard I was clenching my jaw, or maybe had been all day, thinking of these things. And I worked to focus on the task at hand, the spinach I was picking over, and the promise of hot food. There were other factors about that first night I saw him, but they were things I couldn't put a finger on. The soft details. Things the police wanted me to know that hadn't registered. That's what they told me later along with everything else. What sort of footwear did he have on? Boots or shoes, high or low, black or brown? Did the jacket have buttons or a zipper? Did I say he'd had both a hood and a cap? The hood pulled up or lying flat on his shoulders? I put their report, a thin yellow carbon, into the file box next to my desk where I keep all my other receipts and notes on stories. I was living on my own for the first time and rode my bicycle from the office to assignments.
I had to borrow a blue Plymouth beater from my boss so I could drive down to St. Catherine's every day, to Bernardo's house. My boss was the news editor, Angie Cavallo. Angie stayed downtown and loaned me the car because she knew the stakeout would take a long time and would largely be boring. She'd placed her own dibs on the courtroom and the press meetings. My apartment was part of a chopped-up house just off Gladstone, in a neighborhood that was cheap and problematic. I couldn't see Queen Street from my front door, but I could hear the sirens at night and the addicts yelling to one another, or to themselves. I had a side entrance off the street that led up a skinny flight of stairs. Inside my own door, there was a hall and three rooms. To the right, the kitchen. To the left, the room where I lived and slept. Past the kitchen, there was a bathroom with tiny black and white tiles all over the floor and wall, and a bathtub on legs where you could only take a shower.